Hello there, folks. Kevin here. Thanks for tuning in. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sound and head on over to our Instagram, Film Friday Podcast. Give it a like, a follow, and, you know, maybe share it with your friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Film Friday. I'm Kevin Kyo, and this week I'm joined by a very, very special guest, someone who I've been very excited to get on since the start of this podcast, Mr. Chris Corrigan. Say hello to the people, Chris. Hello to the people, Chris. <laughs> but I'm bumped. Yeah. Hey, it's really great to be here. And- really? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, um, I would say Chris is the coolest person I know, but I do know his wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know her before she married me. <laughs> That's true. Chris calls his wife Lucky. Um, I don't know how many times you've made that joke, though. I think. Uh, millions. And yeah. it always lands. It always lands. Like, whenever you've told that joke in a crowd, that ha- never has that not gotten a laugh. Everyone's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, same joke again. Four yeah. years later. <laughs> There's one person who never laughs at it, and that's lucky. <laughs> um, so I, I, me and Chris's paths crossed when, about six years ago. I was 21. I just turned 21. And as some people that recurring listeners may know, I've talked about a farm camp that I've worked on, and that's how I meet all these crazy people from all over the world. And Chris is the director and leader and heart and soul of that farm camp. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't think about it. I, I do like working there and I do love doing it. I've been doing it a long time. So it's well, yeah, I'm talking you up, but um, introduce yourself to the people. Tell them a bit about yourself. Um, so I, uh, I'm married to the luckiest woman in the world. Uh, <laughs> I live in San Francisco, California. Um, I love talking about movies. My first job um, back when I was in college or one of my first jobs was working as a film critic for my uh, local hometown paper in uh, Scranton, PA or outside of Scranton, PA. And uh, that's about it. I've uh, been, a, I teach, I teach writing. Um, and I got not much else going on other than that. A love of uh, a love of film, a love of beer, a love of people from Ireland, and uh, yep, that's it. Uh, there's so much more. Uh, I every time I um, when I meet new people and like we have a few drinks and anything, I always tell this one story that um, just blow blew me away, and which I consider is the coolest thing ever. And I'm going to pass it on to Chris for him to tell him, but yeah, this is why I consider Chris one of the cool, among many other reasons. But okay. one. Because but, one thing I did. <laughs> there's one time <laughs> at Sam Camp. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're talking about the Sir Paul story. The Sir Paul story, yes, please. Sir Paul story. So uh, a long time ago, um, when I was a much younger man, um, I was uh, 
my family used to uh, go and spend time in uh, on Long Island, uh, on New York, in a small town called East Hampton, um, which is sort of like this kind of like a lot of hoi polloi, as they used to say back in the 30s, uh, the, <laughs> where the hoi polloi used to hang out. But my mom had a friend who had inherited a, a place about the size of a garage and she would let us stay there for the summers and for years i'd go we'd go out there and then uh one day uh in the 80s it must have been like 85 or 86 i was a i was a student i was like a wannabe hippie like 80s retro 60s deadhead guy and i was just walking down the beach um enjoying nature (laughs) um and and what nature had to offer walking down the beach of East Hampton is I'm schlepping down the beach and I'm going down. I see this guy, like some middle-aged guy, like with his family, like walking down the beach from this big old mansion um, and heading into the water. And I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, that guy looks really familiar to me, like that old guy. And his wife looks really familiar. And as I'm getting closer and closer, I realize it is none other than um Paul McCartney. He used to be in this band called Wings and he did some songs with uh, <laughs> uh oh, yeah. I have heard of him. Some people might know him from his Michael yeah. Jack days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was in some other band um before that. I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, something to do with insects. <laughs> so, anyway, and um as I'm walking down the beach, like and I and I fire the neuron, right? The synapse goes off like like holy shit, that's friggin' Paul McCartney. Um, and as he's coming down, we're, we're sort of walking towards each other at this point and he makes eye contact at me and my hair is kind of long and shaggy and I'm wearing a bandana and I got some like grateful dead t-shirt on, you know, and he gives me this look as he sees me like, Oh, another wannabe hippie, like coming down the beach (laughs) and I'm totally freaking starstruck. I'm like, it's, it's Paul McCartney, man. <laughs> wrote the songs, right? Yeah, Paul McCartney. Yeah, like, you know, um, the soundtrack to my life to that point, my short life, um, was written by Paul McCartney. And I'm coming down, and um, he looks at me, and he gives me this look like, oh, Jesus. You know, another wannabe hippie. And, you know, I'm sure my eyes were wide. And... I'm like, I'm faced with the decision. Like, what do I do? So as I'm walking, I just sort of nod. And um, he nods. So sort of this acknowledgement of like, yeah, I know who you are. And of course he was, yeah, I know who you are too. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> you're the guy from that camp in California. in California. You're married to Lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Chris from California. I can't even do it. <laughs> but anyway, so he um he nods at me and I nodded him, sort of this awareness. And as I walk by, I just say sort of like lightly under my breath, I'm like, hey, thanks for all the songs. And I just keep walking. <laughs> and he stops and he's like, excuse me? And I turn around and I was just like, hey, uh, thanks for writing all the songs. <laughs> and, and he stopped. And it was really funny. He's like, nobody ever says thank you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, oh, thanks. And he's like, you're welcome. And then he goes off to, 
be with me walking down the beach and all i get thinking in my mind is like holy shit holy shit holy shit holy shit i just talked to paul mccartney and that was it my all my reserves i have this theory that you're born with so much cool and i just blew all my cool out all over the Uh, beach what a way to blow out the cool though man exactly like the rest of my life has been downhill failure jesus christ the 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 coolest thing about that story is that he, you stunned him to be like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like that he was like, and that you were walking and that you were just like, oh, thanks for writing the songs, man. And that <laughs> he turned around to stop you. <laughs> and you're like, like that's, that's like, that is some movie shit, man. Like that's, if yeah. there's ever like a proper biopic done about the Beatles or Paul McCartney, I could 100% see that as a scene like towards the end of the movie, you know, he's just <laughs> chilling with his family and like some guy just fucking thanks him for his music. And he's just like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> it, it's become my go-to. Like whenever I cross celebrities paths, whatever. Um, my dog is whining in the background. <laughs> uh, Oscar, the greatest dog of all time. Oscar the wonder dog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because whenever I come across, like if something happens and it's like, oh, I'm crossing paths with a, like a celebrity, you know, that when that, that happens, that's always my go-to line is like, thank you. Right. Thanks. Like your job entertained me. <laughs> like what you had to do before. Yeah. Me joy. I ran into, there was this guy I used to, I live in San Francisco and there was a guy from a Jefferson Airplane. He used to drink at the coffee shop down the road from me, and I would run into him in the mornings. He'd always be there first thing in the morning, like smoking cigarettes and drinking espresso. And I dropped that line. I'm like, "Hey, man, thanks. Um, I've had a lot of fun listening to your music." And I'm walking out, and he's like, "I had a lot more fun making it." (laughs) (laughs) The guy from uh, Paul Gantner from Jefferson Airplane. I had a lot more fun making it. (laughs) I'm sure you did. (laughs) It's like, yeah. I bet I remember more of your music, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the, but also, the, I think, uh, I think, like, look, that's one of the coolest fucking stories I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, I think what stuck me about that story was that we had known each other for three years when you told me that story. Like, if I was you, I'd be like, hi, my name's Kevin. Just one time I met Paul McCartney and I did this thing. Every time I'd say something. Well, I'd like to talk to you in your Google. Did I tell you I knew Paul McCartney? I met Paul McCartney. (laughs) So how many years have you been, well, this one time with Paul McCartney? (laughs) Looking at your resume. uh, Yeah. In fact, it's on my resume. Yeah. They're asking you. So if a kid says this to you, well, when Paul said, you call him Paul because you're so well acquainted with him. When Paul asked me what I thought about his music. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could say, and it was the beginning of a beautiful friendship that's lasting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I wonder, like, obviously he's met billions and billions, no, no, billions is a bit of a stretch, like millions of fans. I wonder if he remembers that. Um, I don't know. Um. I'll have to ask James Corden next time I see him. <laughs> Does Paul ever bring me up? <laughs> yeah, because a funny story. I also know. Yeah, I mean, no, to be fair, you, if you told me that you knew somebody who knew somebody that's involved in something, I would not be surprised. The amount of interconnections you have with like very famous people is fucking weird, man. 
I guess. Um, like, I know I, you don't think it's like a big thing, but like, like you, I hope you don't mind me plugging all this crazy shit. Like, your ends, what you with the guy that directed uh, Christopher Columbus, the guy that fucking directed um, the Harry Potter movies, one of the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I've, you know, I've, been, I've, you know, I guess it's fortunate. It's just been strange, like, um, just look true. Yeah, well, my life's intersected, you know, mostly briefly, but from time to time, like, yeah, with people, it's funny because my kids will ask me questions about that, like, um, uh, for I guess like a Forrest Gump thing, like, uh, wow, that's kind of cool, and people have gone on to cool do cool things, um. You know, working with a teacher, I've had, you know, I love doing that. And I love my students. And I've had some students who've gone on to be pretty successful, like a guy who's like been on Glee and got an Emmy, um, which is kind of neat. Can uh, I name drop him on the podcast? Can I name drop? I hate can him. I, can I name drop him? Darren Chris. It's Darren Chris, everybody. <laughs> I'm saying that. I'm name dropping him. Yeah. You know, and that's, it's just been really nice because it's been kind of cool. Like when I, you know, I got to see him when he was on Broadway and that was kind of neat. Like, wow, I get to go backstage on Broadway and, you know. So cool. And, like, on top of this, I don't want this people to think that I just think Chris is the coolest person ever because of all the famous people he knows. <laughs> In a serious, serious note, Chris has taught me a lot, a lot, a lot. And he would be, I consider in my life, Ed, Ed, a good friend, but also a slash mentor. Like, you know. You know. wisely, dude. <laughs> Much better choices out there to me. What the hell? When you're young, you've got so much in front of you. Meet interesting people. A mistake um, you make, Jedi. Pedro. Yes. Mm, chosen pearly, you have. <laughs> yeah. Chosen foolishly, you have. Dude, I'm sitting in a basement drinking a can of beer with a whiny pit bull next to me. <laughs> Aim higher, Kevin. Aim higher. I don't know, man. Every summer, every summer, you're a fucking king of the castle. Yeah. Well, that's a fun gig. I like that's sort of, that's just sort of a weird thing. Like that's a I got a summer job thirty years ago. Yeah. Um I never quite got over. And that's a lot of fun. Um being outside and working on the farm. And again, I've been I feel like as corny as it sounds, like I feel uh blessed. That's not a word I usually use, but I've been fortunate to cross paths with a lot of really cool and fun and interesting people, whether it's people who've made it you know, or have become successful in entertainment or just like, oh, wow, you're a doctor. Like, there's so much. I always, I say this to my own, my own children, like, everybody's cool. Like, everybody out there is cool. And go meet and talk to as many people as you possibly can and find out what their trip is. And um, that sounds really stupid, but um, I try to, like, it's like, wow, you're the head brewer at at Anchor Brewing, that's really freaking cool. Or, <laughs> wow, you, excuse me, you write a TV show? That's really cool. Or, oh, you met, you're like inherited those Stay Puff things, wasn't it? Those, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the... <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Go out. If anybody's listening, the four, what do you say? You got 40 listeners, right? So yeah, 40, 40 listeners. <laughs> Go every time you meet someone, talk to them and find out what their story is and what their trip is because everybody's cool in some way. Well, most people are cool. 
there's some assholes. <laughs> they're like, ooh, there's nothing cool about you. <laughs> ugh, ugh, another one. You just throw it and go back. Throw it yeah. Um, so, yeah. Obviously, with all of that information, you can see why I was super, super excited to get uh, Chris on the podcast. And when I reached out to him first months ago, Chris is very busy. He's a, he's a teacher, so obviously he's swamped in current yeah. times. So obviously he's underachieving. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he, he's busy, so I'm so happy that we get him on. And when I first reached out to him, he gave me all these great ideas. Like he instantly got what I wanted from the podcast, which is why I was so excited. Um, he was like, oh, I love this movie and I want to talk about this about it. And he just got it. So uh, I messaged him a couple weeks ago and then he came up with this movie and so left field. I did not expect it, but watched it last night and was so happy and can't wait to talk about it. He picked Birds of Prey. The I need to get the name right. <laughs> the birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Dun, 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 dun. Um, yeah, you know, come out of left field at you. Yeah, when you thought, did you like it? Yeah. So look, strangely enough, this is one of the last movies I've seen in the movie theater. Okay. Yeah. So me and so Dara is a huge fan of Harley Quinn. Like she f- loves her. Like she's really into her. <laughs> Choose wisely, young man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woo, red flags. Uh, we, we went to go and see that. Um, so re-watching it again was interesting because when I seen it first, um, I think I went in with a bit of a... Because it was coming off the, the playback of another DC movie, DC Universe movie, uh, Suicide Squad, which was disappointing, but... Oh, Suicide Squad sucked. Yeah, so... When I watched this, I was like, I wasn't going in with high expectations. So I was very presently surprised. But before we get into the whole movie thing, I'm just going to give people a little lowdown on this lovely little film. It was directed by a woman called Kathy Yan. It was written by uh, another uh, female called Christina Hodson. I said female. That's a weird way of just <laughs> announcing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> true. Um, it was released in 2020, just recently. And we have a little segment on the show here, Chris. So I'm going to give you what uh, the budget, and then you just got to guess what it made at the box office. Okay. So the budget, which is weird when I found online, I feel like there's a big discrepancy here, but it has between 82 and 100 million. <laughs> so, to make uh, it. Yeah, that was the budget. Okay. So how much do you think it made at the box office? Um, and it was released like it's it's funny because as I think about it, there's like a lot of variables in it. I would say that it made I don't know about two hundred and one point eight million U.S. dollars. <laughs> oh, did you just pull that number just out of your ass? Because you're a genius. <laughs> Just a guess. I don't know. Am I? Am I? Am I in the ballpark? <laughs> I fucking love it. I, yeah. The way you sold me on that was really yeah. good. So Chris uh, has obviously like done his research, checked what it made. Uh, no, I'm just an iPhone douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
<laughs> I like yeah. So obviously it made decent money for um a film that came out because when it came out in Canada here, I'm pretty sure like we had to our cinemas were like spaced out. I think, or it might have been before that. I'm trying to think back now, but like that's decent amount of money for like a the year of COVID. Oh yeah. Well, it came out like I don't even think. You know, to be honest with you, I had read a review of it, like New York Times review. And I'm like, wow, this kind of looks interesting. And I like the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really wanted to see the movie. But then, and it's like, when's it going to come out? And like watching trailers and started following to see when it was going to happen. And then COVID hit. And that sort of took the, the place of everything. So I don't even know if it did well. Like, yeah. Okay. What release it had. I do have a, I have another curveball for you. Let's see you iPhone your way out of this one. So for Come anybody on. who hasn't seen the movie, you're going to give us a nice 10-second summary of the movie. You can include spoilers if you want. Um, but uh, yeah, you got 10 seconds to summarize the film for people that have never seen it. Because it. it's a convoluted plot. Yeah, dude. This is, uh, you know, stick to the bit major plot points. You know, okay. just keep it clear. All right, you ready? I'm going to count you down. You ready? Three, two, one, go. So Harley Quinn breaks up with the Joker, which means she doesn't have any protection from the organized crime world anymore. Um, some organized crime guy played by uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi or the heroin addict from Trainspotting. Uh-huh. Dude, this moves too much. <laughs> the heroin addict in Trainspotting. <laughs> That's hey, good. Mark Renton is gonna kill her. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's yeah. gonna kill her. Um before he becomes Dr. Sleep or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. And yeah, you can continue now. Go on. I think it's a complicated thing. Yeah, go on, go on. Anyway. Um pure plot. Uh Harley Quinn breaks up with the Joker. She doesn't have the protection. The underworld protection. Um, she's trying to strike out on her own, and to do it, she wants to get this diamond. But this pickpocket kid, right, whose um, her old roommate would call a Smurf. He's like, ah, the movie's got a Smurf in it. Like throwing some cute, obnoxious kid um, has the diamond. They have to protect her. The big crime boss who wants the diamond is coming to get her. Etc. 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 Big. Right at the end, action packed. Um, lots of women, but yeah. dude, beyond that, like, I very cool anti hero, like, was not expecting, and a lot of tropes in the movie that I thought were pretty cool, like the fact that you, you know, you want to hate this character because she's deranged and evil, but then she takes care of this little kid. Like, there's, there's just a yeah. lot of like back and forth. I, I don't know, that's. It sounds like a bookish way to talk about a goofy superhero movie, but but no, it's um, it's true, which kind of leads me on to like my first big question: Why of all the movies did you pick this one? Because uh, I saw it, um, I saw it when everything sort of shut down and went to streaming, and I thought it was really, I thought it was, it was really interesting. Like I, for superhero movies. Right, which I, I can kind of take or kind of leave, 
But like when I was a kid, the first comics I, were in, I was into were the DC comics. So I've got like this nostalgic soft spot for the DC universe. But the DC universe, like in, in media, is such a convoluted, disjointed. Band. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, from going back to the campy TV show from the 60s um, to like the Tim Burton movies, which were okay, were like, we're going to make Batman more dark and sinister. And those yeah. first Tim Burton movie was good. The second one with Joker was okay. But then they just became. Like missed off phrase with with Joel Joel Schumacher they got in what was this <laughs> yeah the Joel Schumacher ones they're so bad they're awful carries uh, the Riddler and they parodies of themselves and then so then it's like oh it could have been cool but then it was garbage and um and then it went from there to like the Christopher Nolan ones which were sort of interesting like I I kind of liked you know. And especially the second one, Heath Ledger carries that movie, but the movie takes on like, okay, we're going to get into this, this sort of more darker side of the character and shoot it more like a straight up, like less of a comedy and more of a straight up, like, oh, it's a crime movie with a guy wearing a, you know, dressed up like that. And that was always sort of like, okay, I like that. Um, But it almost took itself too, so it went too far in the other direction. And then the Zack Snyder ones, they're just, they're awful, which is, I like <laughs> that early movies. <laughs> Tell I me what like, you really think, Chris. Yeah. And I can't, like, I have a hard time with Zack Snyder movies because all I do, uh, all I can do is focus on, like, his color. List. Yeah, the color palette of it. Yeah. Like, 300 and, is very, like, picturesque. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, um, so, and I, I just find that kind of overwhelming. Like I can't get into this movie cause I'm too annoyed by what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so everything is, and then it's like, Oh, then there's Lego Batman. Like there's no, like they can't Connection. seem to get coherent. There's all these different pieces. But what I like about the Harley Quinn movie is that it takes all of those different disparate pieces visually and, um, story-wise and character-wise and kind of takes the best and puts it into one thing Mm. like the like the like the harley quinn movie's got two big climaxes there's the climax like when harley quinn and the women who she's bonded with uh to protect the girl are holed up in that um they they, they're like hiding out in a in an amusement park in a fun house and that scene and the way it's shot is like looks almost like it looks like a tim burton nightmare and then the final climactic scene where she faces off with the villain the black mask the um what's his name ewan mcgregor mm-hmm. character um that's where it's shot on the on a pier and it's all foggy and there's the the statuary all around them like it looks like a tim burton nightmare it's like i'm going to take the best of the tim burton things and throw it in here i'm mm-hmm. going to take <clears throat> sort of the best of the Christopher Nolan bits um, as far as like gritty crime drama. Cause it and is dark. Yeah. Like, there's and some like crazy shit in there. Like there's, yeah. Some of the, like it's, you know, the scene where she goes into the police station is very oh, intense. Um, like, why do you, so like, why do you think that they went with R rated? Cause I forgot that it was R rated. Um, 
I was watching it last night. It's way over It's it's insane. Like in within the first two minutes, they they drop f bombs left, right, and center, and I I I I think it's. I mean, it works in the film, like you know, because they basically. I feel like they were just like, yeah, just do what you want, go bananas. But I think it was an interesting move because I feel like Harley Quinn, they lost out on a big part of like their demographic. Like, I feel like Harley Quinn could be really a big demographic for teenage girls. Yeah, well, teenage girls are still going to... As the parents... Yeah, they're going to stay it. Yeah, so, that's fair, yeah. Um, as a so parent, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and just not tell their parents. Um, yeah. But the other thing is, this is... And maybe this is something I I, I'm, I might not like about the movie, is I think it, it's doing... It does, like, what what is it? The... um. Oh, what's the what? I can't believe I'm I'm spacing the movie. Um, what, Joker? No, 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 no. Oh uh, my God, I can't believe I just I just saw. Oh, Daredevil? No, not Daredevil. Deadpool. Deadpool, right? Yeah. And it, sort of, it sort of plays upon. It's like Deadpool pushed the push the superhero genre into that in, into the R-rated realm. So it's like and was successful. So, mm-hmm. so they're like, okay, we need maybe that's what works, but. The way they, they you know they they tell the story in this non-linear way that I think is really interesting. Um, well, do you think like what yeah, like what do you think was like the thing behind that? Do you think that was like do you think that this filmmaker because I don't think she's done like I looked into her, um uh Kathy uh Yan. Um yeah. yeah, like she she hasn't really done much. Like this was I think her bur- her first big film. She did another one called Dead Pigs, which I haven't seen. But mm-hmm. do you think that she approached that as like a post-modernism idea with like the thing? Because I know you were talking a bit about like that with the structure of it and stuff. What do you think about that? I mean, as far as why she chose to do it that way, like why she made that choice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what's I think part of it, it ties in. I think she wanted to, first of all, separate it from Suicide Squad because Suicide Squad is such a stinker, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think I I saw you the day you saw that movie. Oh, shit. Yeah, you did. You did. Me and Dara, when we were first dating, went to see that movie. (laughs) I remember you being excited about that movie. And then coming back and being that movie sucked. <laughs> oh, dude, trash. She wanted to separate from that, like the care take the character away from that mm-hmm. uh, stylistically, and um, and like everything about it. Like we're going to create something new, and we are going to give her a life of her own. So mm-hmm. she had to give her like more of a backstory, like the um, and and give the character more depth. Um, which she did not have in Suicide Squad. So, and I think that the, the part of that, part of giving her that depth in, in this movie, in Birds of Prey, has to do with her relationship with the kid, which gives her this sort of maternal side that, that, that fleshes the character out as opposed to just like, I'm a crazy, you know, she devil. Um, and there's like, so I think that does it telling the story in a whole bunch of different ways where um, like, like breaking up the time sequence to piece it all together gives her more, gives the, the um, gives the audience more perspective on who she is as a person. I like the idea. I thought it was really cool 
that they do the sort of the they do the sort of the snarky cynical narrator voice in it mm-hmm. but it it's got a feel to it sort of like um almost like a like a like an old uh detective pulp fiction not the movie pulp fiction but like old 1930 yeah. hard-boiled detective like and then i saw then i saw it coming and that was the time that dame shot me in the face or whatever you know you've got yeah. that energy yeah. to it. and i think it's it's like all of those things sort of combined um i thought it was really smart um like she would the character would be someone who's really easy to hate i thought it, like one of the, the smartest choices kathy ann made is when we see like harley quinn at her most the, the scene where we see her at her most violent i think is the, is the scene where she breaks into the police office or the police headquarters or whatever, um, free the girl. So like the girl who swallowed diamonds, um, in jail and Harley goes to break her out. And what I thought was really interesting is the scene is really powerful. Like she's going in guns a blazing, but, um, she's shooting, like she's shooting the cops and she's shooting cops left and right, but she's shooting them like with bean bags and, with non-lethal force. Like she doesn't kill anyone in the movie except bad people. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. It's like, oh, like I can like her because yeah. she's, she's not, not a straight out killer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's sort of a, a long sort of answer, but I think that there's all these little things in there that Kathy Yan had to do to, we need to make people like this character. Like, you know, that's the thing about an anti-hero is you kind of got to like them, even though they're bad and mean. Yeah. And, um, I mean, and she it's did- a, yeah, it's an interesting thing about the character, though, because, like, she was only introduced in 1992 in the animated series. Yeah. Um, but it's like this character was just thrown into, like, this huge world of DC comics where there's, like, hundreds hundreds of characters but she just like stuck like what do you think about her is that it just stuck and that like people have just like connected to well i think that's um (laughs) i think it's 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 the actress i think it's margot robbie i think okay but um, even the character herself like even from 1992 like she's stuck around like people have always been like Harley Quinn, like the comics and stuff like that. Like you know. Yeah, I think that's sort of like a kind of a. I mean, the the character of Harley Quinn in the comics. I think it's, um, and I'm probably just talking out my ass, um, but uh, it's the <laughs> idea of this postmodern, like, you know, the the comics are totally male dominated, right? Mm, yeah, um, and the characters are totally male dominated. Like, yeah, you've got your, um, you know, Oh, wonder woman or Catwoman, Um, but those, those characters aren't all that interesting. Catwoman, it seems kind of trite. Um, I mean, what's happening now with wonder woman is interesting, but, um, Mm -hmm. apart from that last movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, 
Yeah, I haven't actually seen it. I saw the first one. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Um, but I think that um, the uh, but you, the, her character, like that character, becomes very interesting. It's like she's a new villain. She's a woman. She's a strong woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think again with like after Suicide Squad, the idea that you know she has this this sense of depth to her, like. It was kind of like, oh, we've got a badass woman character, and that will carry that in the comics for so long. But then, you know, once you get to the movie, Margot, I will agree with you. Margot Robbie is a huge thing. I think, dude, yeah. her her range is amazing. Mm. You know, from Bombshell to, um, I Tanya, she's very good in that. Yeah, um, the what the Quentin Tarantino movie. It's at the tip of my oh, um, oh, once upon a time in Hollywood, yeah. Where she plays Sharon Tate, like her range is really spectacular. Her feet in that movie, Tarantino <laughs> and his feet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the full <football> master. <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the he's the foot fucking master. Um, that guy loves feet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, my me. stomach is hurting. <laughs> laughing, Jesus. Um, um. Oh, we have actually thrown around the word postmodernism a few times. Um, and I actually haven't used that much in this podcast. I don't want to get into like hugely deep what that means because, like, that's a whole different podcast. But like, just for the a very brief thing. I suppose very, very, very like this is very tip top. Like very not like getting into it it's basically going against the grain i mean without getting really really into it because you can get into like modernism and postmodernism yeah, yeah. and ins and outs of it but yeah like without getting into all that it's basically going against the grain of like classical or like what you would call cliche storytelling which this movie really does as you were saying like with the way it's told like the jumping around and with the different characters, it's, I don't know. It's definitely, it took me when you, when you said that to me in your message and you're like, Oh, and this postmodern approach, because when I seen it first, I guess it's a, I, I'm a, I'm a comic movie nerd, like Marvel, anything Marvel, hook it to my veins. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I know uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, so I guess when I go and see DC movies, I always have a bit of a chip on my shoulder because let's just say I've been hurt. <laughs> yeah, I've been hurt before. You know, I've like like Justice League was one of the shittest movies I've ever fucking seen. Like, oh, or Batman versus Superman or Superman, whichever. Oh, I, I forgot yeah. who got top feeling in that in that battle like, of the century. So, oh, terrible. Um. So I guess when I went to see this film first, I didn't really see it as that. But when you said that to me, because I remember in the message when you were saying, I was, oh, I'd love to talk about this in the postmodernism. And I think it, it made me look at it more last night. And it's fucking smart. It's a smart movie. It's really smart, yeah. It's a really fucking smart movie. Because she, it's, and it's exactly what you were saying. She's like, I know I need to make this different. And I know I need to make this stand out. So how can I fucking do that? And she does it so effectively. Yeah, definitely. And it's and it's interesting because so much, and I think 
you know, in the, especially if you look at DC movies, they're either male dominated um, or you know, like in a lot of comic book movies, like women are just overly sexualized. And in this, she's not, you know, and, and very easily could be overly sexualized mm. in the sense of, um, you know, Margot Robbie is, you know, a starlet, you know, yes. yeah, 100%, yeah. Definitely grooming into that. Um, but they don't really play that up. They don't overly, not overly. Not she's, she's super strong. She's making her own decisions. The fact that the whole movie is based on like, there's this whole trajectory in her character where at the beginning of the movie, she's, you know, all her cachet comes from the fact that she is the Joker's girlfriend. Right. And everybody, nobody wants to yeah. deal with her. Nobody's going to, she's allowed to get away with everything because she's the Joker's girlfriend. And she even admits that. But then she has this very powerful, like, they, you know, the quote unquote breakup scene where she blows up the place where they met or whatever. Yeah. Um, or the chemical plant. Yeah. And then, but then she shapes herself to become her own person. And I think that's a really interesting story. It's about this woman, you know, what the hell? Like <laughs> we can get, we can get heavy postmodern, like, as a straight white man, I am aware of my kids and I understand. Blah, blah, blah. But so if, for me, what I see is um, like the story of, of like uh, this strong female character mm-hmm. emerging out of the shadow, like of uh, who she, you know, who she was. She was always the Joker sidekick. Now she's her own person. The fact that when she kills the villain or when she takes on the villain, you know, it's it's overtly mentioned like well the joker's not protecting her anymore we can go after her and the that male character um uh what's his name ronin um roman yeah roman sykes roman, he's on black mask that's why he isn't there yeah the black mask um but the ewan mcgregor character i mean he's condescending towards her he underestimates her and a lot of that i think has to do with you know sort of male power trip but she emerges from under the Joker becomes a strong woman, defeats him, creates her her own thing, and at the same time has what are you know traditionally considered um, female characteristics, which in the past may have been played down as as weak, but it's like it just adds to the depth of her character and the strength. The fact that she's maternal and she saves the kid, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that she drives her own destiny the fact right all of that comes together to make this really interesting character um, yeah that stepped out from the suicide squad that stepped out from joker's girlfriend and that's i mean that's part of the story of, of the movie it's yeah she becomes her own person it's the emancipation of harley quinn like a metaphor for it's just like it's this big male character that everybody thinks you need like the joker so like yeah. everybody in the world's like you need the Joker to survive, just like people like going to movies like our studios could be like well we need the Joker in this movie or people aren't gonna fucking see it, but like then the whole movie and then in real life it's just like no you don't need the fucking Joker like this character is good enough by itself to step out by herself she doesn't need that guy at all because he's not in it at all like exactly. Jared Leto is like, you know, wasn't crazy in the Suicide Squad, but <laughs> I think that's huge that he's not in it. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. And it's, you know, they mention like there's that, that shadow, but she, it's a movie about emergence. 
Now, here's what I worry about is mm -hmm. that, and it's funny because, like I said, I, I kind of, <laughs> I don't know why, but I want to like the DC universe and I keep like, ah. It's your like, heart. You're like, oh, yeah. but you, you had me yeah. as a kid. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but ah, the first Tim Burton movie was pretty cool. And the second Christopher Nolan movie was pretty cool. Um, and, but then things like with the Tim Burton movie, then it becomes the Joel Schumacher movies. And you're just like, oh, now like, oh, I could, I could watch this movie or eat glass. I will <laughs> um, turn the TV off and bring me a bowl of light bulbs. <laughs> right. They become so painful. And that's what I'm, it's funny. I've, I've been watching, um, and I didn't watch it when it was on the TV show Gotham, which does sort of follows this same. It's like the DC trajectory. Okay. Like, oh, the season is like, wow, it's kind of a very interesting, gritty crime drama, like set okay. in the universe. But then by the time you get to season three, you're like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. And it's a parody of itself. Um, yeah. And, um, but, and I, and I, so that's something I worry about because it's obviously the, the Harley Quinn. Like this movie is like we're gonna break break out and start a franchise here. We're gonna we're gonna. It's definitely set up for a sequel. Like we are gonna character again as it ends, um, because they're like, cool. We doubled what we made. We got to make some more. You know, we got more, more. Seriously, we need to squeeze more blood out of this stone. And I'm, I'm what I'm worried about is that the character in subsequent movies is tends to be the case in. Um, Warner Brothers making DC movies is it becomes a parody of itself. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really interesting because um, James Gunn is doing the sequel to the Suicide Squad called, and it's just called the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, I James Gunn, I'm a big fan of him as a director. I think he's very, very, very good. So I'm very curious to see what he does with it, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because it's hard. I th I think DC do have a hard time as a, like, I think this film did really well because this film is super different from anything, not just DC has done, but from what Marvel have done. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And I, I um, again, I, I just, I find so much of it is this sense of like, what a fascinating character. What a fascinating way to tell a story what a way to marry, like take the best of comic books. Like I love mm. when they do, like when they'll do the things where a character will show up and they do the, the, the text on the screen and the grievances. Oh, yeah, boy, yeah. Hate. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And I think that that's really great because it's like, cool. I'm watching. There's a part of my brain. that's like, Oh, this is a comic book movie. And I can, mm -hmm. I can approach it on that level. And there's these sort of visual cues that, that let you know that. Um, yeah. And then, but then there, there's sort of more to it. Then it's like, but it's also this, you know, the story of this woman. It's a story. Um, and like, I think that's, that's really kind of, that's sort of fun. Like it takes like, I said this earlier, I'm, you know, I'm repeating myself, but it's like, oh, we're going to take the best of what, what makes a, like, a, makes it a comic book movie. We're going to take, what was good about the Tim Burton movies. We're going to take what's good about the, the Christopher Nolan movies and kind of put them together. And on top of it, here's this strong female character, like, and all the characters, like 
you know, in the movie are like strong women. Rosie Perez. Yeah. Uh, he's great. Yeah. Um, I think wow. Ewan McGregor is really good as Black Mask. Like, I know it's a thing, but he's just, I don't know, like whenever he's on the screen, he just looks like he's having fun. Yeah. He's, I, 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 I mean, I've been a fan of his, like, you know, train spotting. Um, yeah. Classic. Love train spotting. What did I, I watched Dr. Sleep recently. Man, Doctor Sleep is a very good. Like, I really enjoyed Doctor really Sleep. Good. And his take, you know, he takes the he takes the Jack Nicholson character, and not the Jack, the the, the boy, uh, the Danny, the yeah, Danny. But he, he you know, he, he like projects that forward. He does a really great job with that. I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan. I thought. Now, did you see this when you watched it? Is I thought there was this weird, um, not weird in a bad way, but almost like um feminine side to him or it was weird almost like um like foppish in a way 100 percent. he was definitely isn't it delightful and there was that there was this weird a flamboyantness to his character it was 100 percent. yeah definitely and it's funny because i was watching a bit of it with dara and we went to see it with dara and Dara was like, she feels, she was like, well, I feel like he's acting a bit like the Joker. And I was like, no, like, I think he's more, he's like a king. Do you know, you know, like the king and yeah. I. Like, uh, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. The king and I, I was like, he's like the fucking king and I, man. Like, yeah. Look at this foppish prince. Like, yeah. He's like, I am royalty. You must, oh, it's dirty. Don't let me touch any of that. Yeah. Like, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, that's something I hadn't thought about, but yeah, what's interesting, there's another thing that, that really struck me about the film and it might even just be a personal thing. Years ago, I was teaching, um, <laughs> I was teaching the novel Sula by Toni Morrison. Right? Okay. I'm going way off now. Right. But, uh, and I was teaching it. I was teaching at an all girls or an all women's high school. So senior literature class and we were reading Sula. Okay. And this, one of my students, and it was funny because one of my administrators was in observing the class and we're talking about the book. Um, and one of my students is like, I really like this character, like the character Sula. Um, and she doesn't realize that, that one of the administrators of the school is in there. And she's talking about this one scene. It's like, it's like she's got, and I, I don't have any words for it. It's like she's got balls, right? It's really funny, right? And I start cracking up. And then she sees the administrator. She's like, oh my God, right? And I'm like, no, let's stop. And in the passage of the book or in another passage of the book, and I, I flip to it, it says um, that one of the things that was, that de- describing this character was she was like a man. So we started talking about the language of empowerment of like okay. female empowerment and how most of the language around empowerment is like, he's got balls, he's ballsy. Like there's nothing, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's the, it's always, whenever you talk about empowerment, it's always sort of masculine or it's often masculine imagery. And then there's this scene in the movie that flashed me back to this teaching moment. Um, from a long time ago, um, where 
Harley Quinn is describing her relationship with Joker to the kid. And, um, and the girl's like, sounds like he's a dick. And it was really interesting because in that it took sort of this like fat, like this, this idea of like phallic masculine power. And it's like, no, he's a dick. Right. And then then at the end of the movie, when Harley Quinn is sort of making her peace with the girl, she's, and talks about being, being a jerk to the girl. Like, and she's like, yeah, I was going to sell you out. She's like, yeah, that was sort of a dick move. And I thought it was very interesting to take, like the just even the use of that word in the sense of something that like you know you know Freud talks about phallic power and mm-hmm. all of that and be like, well no, it's it's just a dick. <laughs> and, <laughs> back to the fact, like my students are like, she's ballsy, like, yeah, or she's a dick. <laughs> right? yeah. Wow, yeah. Language communicate masculinity and images of masculinity and images of power or traditional images, but then to have a bunch of women be like, no, it's just a dick, or he's just a dick. That was a dick for me to do. Like, yeah. that's a masculine thing for me to do, and it's not powerful. It's it's being an asshole, you know? Being an asshole, yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> that's like, no, it's and true, but it's so true. Other like. than that, man, she shoots up the cops, and it's really cool. <laughs> That's but that's funny. But no, it's so true though because you can't. This film, like, it perplexed me because you can't go into this film being like, or when you go into it, you can't be like, okay, this is a stray film because there's like that scene at the end when they're all fighting. I was like, why don't any of them have guns? Like, just go in and shoot them. Like, so obviously you gotta be like, you're like, okay, it's a comic book movie. But it has some of these really dark, real life, like sickly moments. Like, like there's that moment where she almost gets, like, she gets drugged and she almost gets put in the back of a van by a guy. Oh yeah. Like, uh, there's that moment when a uh, black mask makes that woman stand up in front of everybody because he's insecure about him. Really and, yeah. and but he's and you're just like you're a dick. You know? You're a dick. Yeah, exactly. And like, but there's these like moments in it that almost like, so I'm like, okay, I got my comic book brain on because this is the world we're in. It's crazy. It's kind of like colorful. It's weird. But then it has these moments of like such darkness where you're like, wow, this is like real life shit. Like these characters are like, he cuts the faces off people. <laughs> oh, he's awful. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's, yeah, there's that, but it's interesting because that that one scene you were just talking about where she you know she's leaving the bar and the guy's going to definitely you know going to take advantage of her and it looks like it's leading into a rape scene mm-hmm. but um again it's like the the woman who comes the canary the 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 singer who comes and, and saves her and i don't know there there's so much of it it, it takes that idea of like I'm, I'm I'm spacing it like a toxic masculinity and just or like male power just crushes it and I really like that about the movie it's like yeah this is this is sort of refreshing like as a you know you know I was joking earlier like as a straight white man blah 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 but like as a liberal straight white man it's like great I'm I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a different story right yeah it, definitely it, it's not a story I'm used to seeing 
Um, especially in these like comic, like I love comic book movies, but especially in comic book movies, it's not like obviously it's coming in better now. Like you had Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman two, which was awful. Captain Marvel, um, WandaVision, fucking amazing. I haven't checked that out yet. Somebody, um, my son was talking about. It. He's like, you got. He's talking about WandaVision, and I hadn't even heard any of the the pre hype about it. Crushing and then it later. It seemed like it was everywhere, and everyone was talking about. It. So I need to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Side note: if anybody out there hasn't seen WandaVision and you're into comics or anything, watch it. It's crushing it. You would especially love it, Chris. Hundred percent, you'd love it. Um, but oh, I was I was on the thing of a point there. Can't even fucking remember. Um. Oh, yeah. The what's the the cop character? She's not like a superhero. She doesn't have a superhero name, so I can't remember it. So like, she's not Canary. She's not Huntress. Like, I forget her name. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but that was really funny. I love how they made fun of the whole trope of or the whole um thing of like superhero names. Do you know what they call me? Like, the <laughs> yeah, the crossbow killer. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, even like her the cop story sure hurt i want to i don't want to keep calling her the cop because that's um belittling the fucking thing and find out what her actual name is um the character she heard she her, the character plays ren renee renee Mon, montoya. montoya yeah renee montoya yeah like even her backstory just about how she does all the work but her male counterpart. And, and there's that, I think it's really funny. She's wearing this t-shirt and it, it's, it's obviously on one level, it's a sight gag where she, you know, like her clothes are ruined. So she gets something out of lost and found and she's wearing a t-shirt that says, I shaved my balls for this. I'm like, that is like, ah, that's really funny. Like it's a, yeah. it's, it's a balls joke. You yeah, know, yeah. But then if you sit and you think about it and you deconstruct that, it's like, um, Again, this idea of like masculine power, and she's wearing this T-shirt. Like my balls are shaved, right? Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot going there's a lot going on. A lot of going on. A lot of like, and it's funny because I I I noticed it when I first seen it, but watching it again, it's like wow, this is just like a mini story of of like what's going on in the whole film. And then that led me looking at all of the female characters. And I'm like, well, they're all going through this exact same story. Well, not exactly the same. Obviously, there's different things, but in broad strokes, like, you know, being controlled by these male centric situations. Yeah. yeah, whatever. The, you know, the crossbow killer, the huntress character who coming out. Family, yeah. Her family's killed, she, but she's like the godfather's daughter, and but yeah. she's coming into her own. They're yeah. all coming into her own. Like, the woman who is the singer, she was, and the driver, like working for men, but then she's she comes into her own and becomes a strong. Literally, he calls. She's black. She's canary in a cage, and then she literally yeah. comes out of it. Yeah, I think, and it would, the other thing that I like is I, I love old, like film noir, um, old detective pulp detective novels like Raymond Chandler and that shit. Yeah. Um, and so Rosie Perez, Rosie Perez's character, Renee Montoya, yeah. I thought that was very interesting because she was like a hard-boiled detective, like down to like, she's got the flask and she's drinking. <laughs> People were giving her shit about it, whereas if, if yeah. she wouldn't. And I, I, you know, as you pointed out, she's doing all the work, but the male characters are getting all the credit, you know, and she's wearing yeah. this t-shirt. 
I shave my balls for this. I like, yeah, I heard some of her lines as well. It's like, we got to clean up this city. And they're just like, do you always talk like that? It's it's like some of the movie is, is pretty meta. Like, I like, do you think that um, the whole idea of like her addressing the audience was just to be like, okay, she's actually fucking insane. And like, everybody else sees her talking to nobody, but she thinks that she's in a movie. Like that's going really meta, but do you think that was I mean, the idea? You know, I, I didn't think about it because I, I it, like to go that deep because they never actually see. I mean, it's not like a Fight Club scene where it's like they break it open and you're like, "Wait, he's been talking to himself the whole himself time. the whole time." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that I, I I didn't think about it that way. Um, where, you know, where she keeps breaking down the third wall. I just like I, my my reading of that was just sort of throwback to again like dashiell hammett earl yeah. sam Gardner with the like the hard-boiled detective like you know talking directly to the audience mm-hmm. um but i didn't i never really would have thought about that like it's looking at the insanity of the character um yeah. that's an interesting take young man that's all i, I got <laughs> that's all i got <laughs> all i got on that one um yeah so you did you had you seen that you said you saw the movie when it came out and then you saw it again? Yeah, I saw it when it came out and I liked it when it came out. Um, I thought it was a big step up from other DC films, and then I watched it again the other night. Um, watching it the end of the other night though, I the structure of it really took me off guard. I think the other night, um, because when I first seen it, like, because you're just going along this crazy ride and you're like, oh, like where is this leading me? And then I'm with this character now, and what the hell? So, like, I don't know. It just, I definitely, I think I enjoyed it more the other night. Yeah. Well, it's in, like, when you, like, sum it up in 10 seconds, I'm like. Shit, uh, there's a lot to sum up. (laughs) I got some, okay, so I got some quick fire questions for you, all right? All right. So, uh, I'm going to throw them out, and, uh, yeah, whatever you're feeling. So, standout performance. Standout, like, in this movie? Standout performance. Um, I would say the. Uh, I think you either you and McGregor, or Margot Robbie. I mean, they're both amazing. They're both. I'm 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 taken away or blown away by both of them in it. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, it's it's definitely. It's hard yeah, not to say Margot Robbie. It's like it's her vehicle. Like she drives yeah. that that whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I like the um, <laughs> So, uh, character you most relate to? What character you most relate to? Well, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, character I most relate to. Uh, I would say the Rosie Perez character. I could say that. I like her the most because I just kind of feel like, I don't know. I, I think that she's, I really like, I'm, I'm always drawn to that, that story um, for better or worse. I'll talk about it with my therapist. Um, <laughs> of like the person, she's there like, I busted my balls and I'm the one leaving the, the scene. I've always been a sucker for that, that story. I always like Dark Garfunkel more than Paul Simon. <laughs> Ooh, controversial. 
Story of our Do you? What? I, I ran into. I ran into Garfunkel on a beach one time. <laughs> no. I always find I always find that I'm always I'm always fascinated by the story of like these people who are working together, and one I'm goes big, and one yeah, and the person who's 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 left behind. I'm always fascinated. Like I don't know. Again, I'll talk about it with my therapist. Uh, but I find yeah. it a, a really interesting <laughs> story. Like oh wow, like Steve Jobs and what's his name and um, Wozniak. What? Yeah. Oz. Yeah. Interesting. Played by yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Favorite scene. Ooh, that's hard. Yeah. The, that's, that's really hard. Um, I would say the scene in the fun house really stands out to me because that's where it's like, I find that that's the scene that takes you know, the, the thing that I, that idea that I keep coming back to, like taking all the good things from other DC universe stuff. And I feel that scene takes it all in. It's like this Tim Burton-esque nightmare. It's shot at these camera angles, like the old TV show. I don't know if you ever watched the old TV show from the 60s. Whenever, whenever you go into the bad guy's lair, the camera angles are always jacked up, right? Yeah. Okay. Go back and look at an old episode and you're like, what? Why, is it, why am I on the side like this? So it's to it, um, but it's it's also sort of gritty. I love that scene. I think that's really powerful. I think, um, yeah, that would be my favorite scene, like the shootout in the the battle in the in the fun house. Okay. And it's kind of cool that it's in a again. It's like, oh, and by the way, it's a comic book movie, and it's fun, and it's goofy, and you're in this weird sort of surreal um, reality. Hey, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really a fun house. What um your favorite line if you have one? My favorite line is when the kid said after she describes her relationship with the Joker, and the kid said, sounds like he's a dick. Mister J and this and that, and she's sort of waxing melancholy about her relationship, and the kid's like. Sounds like a dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love yeah. that one. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then the final one, uh, and you don't have to quick fire this one. This is uh, take your time with this. What impact do you think that the film had socially, and then what impact do you think it had personally for you? Socially, like big picture. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Like you know. DC Universe, I guess. In the DC Universe. <laughs> Gave them hope, fuck's sake. <laughs> There's hope. Um, yeah. In the post-Christopher Nolan DC Nolan, Yeah, post-Nolan-verse. <laughs> um, but even that, like the third one of those movies, was I, I didn't like it all. The one with pain. pain. Yeah. It would be painful. <laughs> For <all> you. <laughs> but, um... So, again, I'll, I'll just come back to, like, it's just refreshing to have, like, a different set of characters that are, like, super strong um, and that are female. They're, like, this really strong – I really love sort of the 
the the sexual politics of the film. I think that's really interesting to me. And um, again, I don't know. It's funny. I'm like, you know, with a teenage daughter, I'm like, well, do I want her to watch this movie or not? You know. But oh yeah, did she like? Did has she seen the movie or like? Um, <laughs> uh, not if it's not on TikTok. <laughs> is, it, is it on somebody's Instagram feed? Um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, not that I know of. I don't think she's seen it unless she saw it with, with some friends, but it came out and we've been locked down since. So, um, but again, so socially, I think that's um, the big thing of that movie. I just think, wow, what awesome strong female characters um that are smart that are different that are um self-aware you know kind of ironic without being too snarky i don't know i I, that i thought was great um Mm -hmm. uh personally (laughs) i thought the hunters were um, <laughs> well, that chick who played the hunters was smoking. Um, <laughs> kind of looks like your wife, to be honest. Yep, that's <laughs> she does. I just like. I mean, I I like I like movies that you could take apart and that make references to other movies and other things. And I, and I, so for me, I just enjoyed that. I just enjoy sort of pulling out the different threads of the film. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, Oh, cool. Like, and seeing how Kathy Yan like was rever, you know, uh, I'm not, what's the word? I'm not, I'm not like paying reverence to, or, um, to things that were good that came before, but then shaped it into something new. If that makes sense. Like for me, like that was really fun. Like, Oh wow. That's like a Tim Burton movie. And that's like a Christopher Nolan movie. Oh, and that's kind of like the old Lorenzo Semple TV show. And then, but now it's something else. And, and the women are strong and not, like I was saying earlier, not overly sexualized, um, but sort of powerful. Um, And, Mm -hmm the the many layers like we were talking earlier about like Harley Quinn like ooh yeah she's a villain and she's badass but she's also caring and sensitive like with her pet and with the kid yeah and, and to to have those those traits in a female character of like being strong and to a certain extent vicious and mean but also being um, self-aware and soft and nurturing and to have them come together to form a unique, strong character. That's, that's cool. That's interesting. Like, give me that. I'd like to watch some more of that. <laughs> over Batman versus Superman. Every time a new character entered, I'm like, oh, it just means the movie's going to go on more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just hurts me to another at least 10 minutes of the Another two hours. <laughs> when does it stop? Seriously, I jumped up in the middle of the movie and said, "I killed Kennedy." <laughs> <laughs> Me, I did it. <laughs> 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 
whenever that just that just gave me a flashback, Chris, of once when we were working when we were working summer camp it was one of the summers when the kids were feeling a little homesick, and Chris was like, "Look, it's fine. You only got like two more weeks left." And he's like, two weeks." <laughs> How long did my mom say I was staying? Two weeks. That's um, but yeah, that's that's a great foot to end on, Chris. Um, great talking to you, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, I don't know what to say. I'm not a good interview. So I'm like, I, I don't know what to say now. So see you later. Up yours. <laughs> no, you're you're a good just hang up immediately. I'm gone. That, yeah. man, that was we I I you have a very busy schedule. You're a busy man. But yeah, please and come when on. When will I get the check? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh when am I getting my money? <laughs> um yeah, I really, really hope that we can get you to have you on again, man. And whenever you're free, you're always welcome yeah. on. Yeah. I'd love to do it. We can uh, talk. We yeah, with the things you were talking about earlier. We can talk about Jaws as a metaphor for COVID. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. Um, she's so true, so true. But yeah, um, next week, uh, a bit up in the air who my guest is going to be next week. Um, so this season has been full of surprises because usually last season I was like, oh, I have this next week. Oh, I have this next week. But I've just kind of been like. Oh yeah, we might have this person next week. We might have this person. We actually might be talking about a film with Ewan McGregor next week. Maybe. We don't uh-huh. know. Yeah. So uh, hey, be sure to tune in. I was gonna say, has anyone ever told you that that film is actually a one syllable word? <laughs> okay, <I'm> man. <laughs> Nobody has said that on the podcast yet. You are you you've been like prepping that have you back pocket the entire time you're like i'm gonna whip this out right at the end <laughs> i was just wondering <laughs> no chris they haven't you know people find my accent lovely on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> so be sure to tune in to film friday <laughs> every friday <laughs> but once again thanks so much for chris for coming on well i hope to have him on in the future chris say goodbye to the people goodbye to the people (laughs) and we'll talk to you next week i'll see you later